like that. You want to try Hello, everybody, and welcome that. to like this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I hope you all are had are all are having a great start to your Friday. Also, having a great week so far because though I am very tired, though I am extremely very tired, I would just like to give myself a quick round of applause. I know it's a little self-centered, but I gotta do it anyways. You guys can join along if you want to. Now, wait, I can hear you asking, Logan, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Well, because we sent out a goal a couple weeks ago to where I was going to post two videos a week and still manage to record three episodes of the podcast. And this is the first time we've done it. This is the first week we have done it and we have successfully managed it. We had a podcast come out on Monday featuring Brady. We had a video come out Tuesday, which talked about the United States Copa America squad, which again takes place all the way in June of 2024. Then we had a podcast come out Wednesday, and then we had a video come out today, Thursday, August 24th, which discussed our preseason quarterback prospect rankings for the 2024 NFL Draft. So two videos that are out are going to be completely irrelevant by the time these set events take place, whether it be the NFL Draft or the Copa America, but still, it's been a stretch. I am tired as hell editing these videos. Like My eyes hurt. I'm barely staying awake right now. We got more videos coming for you next week. I don't know how many podcast episodes we're going to have, but we are going to have three videos out. It's going to be Iowa, Iowa State, and Northern Iowa previews for this upcoming season since all those teams play their first game on Saturday, September 2nd, with you and I and Iowa State actually playing each other that day, and Iowa and Utah State will play each other on Saturday as well. But before we get into anything else today, let's go over the housekeeping items first. Make sure you follow the Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is Blackman Logan. The show's Instagram account is The Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube, search Logan Blackman Show. Make sure you like and follow the Facebook page and like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Check out our two latest videos. I would much more appreciate it if you checked out the latest one because that's mostly what we're going to be talking about today. You can check up on the Copa America video when the Copa America starts getting a little bit closer. But for this video that we did today, that's the one I really wanted you to to check in on because college football is a couple days away. Or not a couple days. When this video, when this podcast comes out, college football will be tomorrow. Just wrap your head around that. College football is tomorrow. Not months away, not days, not not weeks away, not days away. We are merely hours away from college. Now we're a day. We're a day, because Navy-Notre Dame, that game takes place like 1.30, so we're a day. I don't expect many of you are listening, I, for those who are listening to this right now, I would expect most of you are listening to this in the morning, so yeah, I guess we do have a day before we have college football, but still, it's right there. We can reach out and touch it, essentially. It's so exciting, so those prospect rankings, those again will be null and void in about a week or two weeks, because we're going to do this every single week, have prospect rankings come out for the quarterbacks, as we've done every year for the past two years. Every year for the past two years, but our first prospect rankings came out on August 24th. The next one will be the 7th, and then the 14th, 21st, 28th, and et cetera, et cetera. So make sure you go check out the video, and we'll talk about it here in a little bit, but make sure as well, you're listening to it right now, make sure you're following and or subscribed to the Apple Podcasts and Spotify accounts. Leave a rating out of five stars on both, and leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do, whether it's about an individual episode of the show in general. I would greatly appreciate your feedback, and if you don't feel the show is up to snuff and want to give it anything less than a five-star rating, that is, that is your prerogative. That is 100% your prerogative. I will not be that upset. I mean, I'll be a little upset. I am human. I will be a little upset if you don't like something that I put a lot of time effort into. But, you know, I can't I can't control your thoughts. I can't control your feelings. If you don't like what we're doing on a show, let me know. And we'll try to fix it. Or if you do like it, let me know there as well so you can boost my ego a little bit. But, like I said, video out today. 
let's go over that real quick. We're not going to give the whole thing because the video is like 44 minutes. The video itself, it, like, the video recording process took about 55 minutes to an hour. And we cut that SOB down to 44 minutes. That was a long, strenuous process. It took me... I, it did, Long, strenuous process that can be looked at in a lot of different ways. This didn't take me, like, multiple days to get done. But it took me an evening, plus a little bit part of the morning, to get everything done in a way that I thought would best represent the thought process that I had while recording that video. And the more videos that we're going to do, we're going to keep, you know, talking about them on here. Now, I can't promise a podcast episode on Wednesday or Friday of next week. Because Wednesday, we're going to have, I think the Iowa State preview come out on Wednesday. So we're going to have Iowa's come out Tuesday. This is the plan. Iowa's come out Tuesday. Iowa State's come out Wednesday. And you and I's come out Thursday. That's the goal. That's the goal at this point in time. So I can't promise a show Wednesday. And I'm not going to promise a show for Friday. Even though that would be a good time to preview every game. But that's what the, the three videos are for. But I have a fantasy football draft that Thursday. So the chances of me recording a show that evening are not necessarily that high. Now we do have Florida versus Utah which is going to be a very intriguing matchup because I'm in, we talked about this last week or the other show was that I don't know how Graham Mertz will work in Bill Napier's offense. It's going to be very intriguing to see how that all, you know, mixes together, but you know, it's fun stuff. It's fun stuff, but we're going to talk about the video here in a little bit or about the video, a little bit about the video. I should say, sorry, again, I'm tired. My brain's operating at like seven, like, I don't know. 20% at this point in time. So if I repeat something a numerous amount of times, I do apologize for that. But the quarterback rankings are out. The quarterback rankings are out. You can check out the links to those quarterback rankings on every form of social media as well because we're going to post a little graphic that we made today covering the 10 quarterbacks, the 12 quarterbacks, I should say, or the 11, the 11 quarterbacks that we <laughs> that we covered here on this, uh, on this list because we have two positions on here that have an A and a B on there. Like, I couldn't decide who I wanted to officially put as number one because I think both guys are very good, the two guys we have up there, which we'll get to in a little bit, and the guys at 10. Because I think both guys at the 10 spot are deserving of being the top 10 for different reasons, but I think both were deserving. So we have Spencer Rattler at 10B and Jane Daniels at 10A. Two completely different styles of quarterbacks needing to work on different aspects of their game. Spencer Rattler, we'll start with him because we start with him in the video. Started slow. Last year, but as the season progressed, you saw him get more familiar with the offense and his weapons around him, and you saw him play the best brand of football that we've probably seen him play in some time, since his freshman year at Oklahoma, probably. Like, we hadn't seen him play that well since then, and he looked like a legit quarterback. There were legit opportunities for him to forego his last season of college eligibility to go to the NFL, but he smartly came back. Because, I mean, you could build momentum. Like, people are saying Cardell Jones should have gone to the NFL after he won the national championship with Ohio State in 2014. Because he only started those three games against Wisconsin, against, who did they play in the semifinal? Bama and then Georgia? Or Oregon, sorry? Or they played Georgia. Because it was Florida State, Oregon, and the Rose Bowl. And Oregon won. And then it was, I think, Alabama, Ohio State. But either way, people are saying Cardell Jones should have gone out then. So if you have a hot run of form, you, the last thing people will remember you by is usually where you'll get drafted. The last visualization people have of you is the last thing they're going to remember going into the draft process. Like, I remember A.J. Terrell, quarterback from Clemson, who's one of the better young quarterbacks, cornerbacks in the NFL, sorry, plays for the Atlanta Falcons, was, I believe, the 16th overall pick in the 2020 NFL draft. The same draft which saw the likes of Joe Burrow, Justin Jefferson go in, and a year later we saw Jamar Chase go in, so that LSU offense was rarely popular in that draft. Clyde Urzelaire went in the last pick of the 2020 draft. 
like a very, very popular draft. But A.J. Terrell, what people remembered him mostly for was not the good season that he had up until that point. It was the fact that in his last game, which was just so happened to be the national championship, which had everybody's eyes on it. If you're not a fan of college football or football in general, you watched the national championship in some capacity. And what did you see in that national championship game? You saw Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and Justin Jefferson absolutely go off in that game in a dominating win over Clemson, like a big separation of the score, po- the score line in that game. And you know who was guarding those receivers? One of them was A.J. Terrell. So when A.J. Terrell got drafted 16th overall by the Atlanta Falcons, People were calling it an interesting pick. People weren't too sold on the idea of uh, A.J. Terrell being a first-round draft pick, let alone the top 16 pick in the draft. You know, it's funny. The guy who got drafted third in that year's draft, Jeff Okuda, actually got traded to Atlanta to be A.J. Terrell's backup. Like, that last game is so incredibly important to how people remember you. And so with Spencer Rattler playing that well in those last few games, like beating Tennessee, scoring, throwing six touchdowns against Tennessee, beating Clemson, losing to Notre Dame in the bowl game, but playing well in the bowl game against Notre Dame. A game that not a lot of people thought South Carolina would get to early portion of the season. Like South Carolina did not look like, a, what did they finish, 8-5 and five last year? 8-4 and four going into the bowl game? Like not a lot of people were seeing that when the season first started, but the offense started clicking a little bit and Rattler gained confidence. And Rattler finished the season with 18 touchdowns, 12 picks, which is not, like, amazing. But when you look at where he started last year, that's pretty damn impressive. And then you look at Jane Daniels. He was a run-first guy at Arizona State. I mean, we've talked about Jane Daniels numerous times in the show. He's been in quarterback ratings for us before, both at Arizona State and at LSU. He improved so much as a passer last season. Like, you look at what he did at Arizona State, and even in that first game against Florida State, he would hold onto the ball a very long time. Now, he was smart in regards to not forcing the ball in any windows that would give away an interception or something like that. He's thrown a very minimal amount of interceptions for a guy who started every year of college since his freshman year. Like, he's put forth a good uh, turnover, touchdown, uh, pass to turnover ratio, I guess you could tell. He only threw three interceptions last year. Now, he did only throw 17 passing touchdowns, but still, he looked really good. He looked more like a complete passer. He looked solid at times at Arizona State passing the ball, but more comfortable as a runner. And people may still look at him as a running quarterback, and that's fine, but the improvements as a passer are there. So again, like two complete, we know Spencer Rattler's talented passing the ball, but we just needed to see it in fruition at South Carolina. And Jaden Daniels, we knew how good he was running the ball. We just needed to see him become a more complete passer. So we had them both at number 10. Number nine, Jordan Travis, super athletic playmaker from Florida State. Dude's tough as hell. Dude, the play that always sticks out to me with Jordan Travis when he gets popped in the mouth by Allie Gay against LSU Week 1 last year. And threw a touchdown. And threw a touchdown. Clear targeting, but still, got up, threw a touchdown. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. And that RPO action between him and Trey Benson in the backfield, you got Johnny Wilson, Keon Keon Coleman, uh, Jaheim Bell outside. You got options. And Florida State's expected to be a very good team this year. They're open the season up as like the sixth best team in the country. According to the AP, I think it's sixth, sixth or eighth. One of those two numbers. But Jordan Travis will definitely be pushed up there. And when you look at Florida State last year, similarly, to a certain extent, to that of South Carolina, and even LSU, because remember, LSU lost to Florida State, got blown out by Tennessee, and then proceeded to go on and beat Alabama and compete to a certain extent against Georgia. Again, to a certain extent. I'm not saying that they were going to win the game or anything, especially when Jane Daniels went hurt, got hurt, but they were competitive. More competitive than some of the teams they faced last year, Georgia. But... Florida State 
as the season went on, like the last six games, they won their last six games. I think they outscored their opponents like 203 to 100 something. And they scored over 40 points four times in that six game win streak. And they finished 10 and 3. They are the favorites to win the ACC this year, according to yours truly. I think Brady also had them winning the ACC with Clemson playing them in the championship game. But Florida's, there's a lot of hype on Florida State. And that, that's just the offensive side. We got Jared Verse on the defensive side of the ball, who's probably the best edge rusher in next year's draft class. Like, they're talented. They're talented. And Jordan Travis, if he can keep improving as a passer, he could definitely push into the top five of this quarterback ranking. Number eight, I felt this was a little mean, but Michael Penix, I think a lot of it goes down to his injury history. Torn ACLs out the wazoo. You look at his last year at Indiana where he had like 900-something yards, four touchdowns, seven picks, and three of those against Iowa, a game that I was there for. And it's just, to see him go from that to this is insane. Like, he looked really good during his first year at Indiana, and it slowly started going down, and he broke. Like, if you combine his numbers from his first three years at Indiana to what he did last year at Washington, his last year at Washington trumps every single number he put forth at Indiana combined. Combined. And then you've got, like, you've got, uh, crap, why am I completely blanking? Roma Dunze, you got Polk, you got McClellan out wide. Like, you've got his main receivers back. So I have no doubt Michael Penix will be a very good quarterback going into the season. He doesn't run as much as what he maybe should. Like, he's athletic. He just doesn't choose to run very often. He ran a little bit more at Indiana early on in his career, but I think having multiple torn ACLs is definitely not helping his confidence when it comes to running the football, and I can understand why. I think it's fairly understandable to why he wouldn't want to run the ball. He's accurate. He's got a quick release, but I don't know. The age, his knees, and the his arm's good, but it's nothing like that wows you, per se. We'll get to a guy that wows you in a little bit, but I have him at eight. Then seven was Bo Nix. Dude was insane last year. Similar story to that of uh, Michael Penix, but maybe a little bit more impressive because nobody liked Bo Nix. Like, people at Indi- that were watching Michael Penix in Indiana was like, oh, it's Indiana. Bo Nix was hyped as a freshman at Auburn. That's what helps when you're born and raised an Auburn fan. And to play in the SEC, you're going to get a lot of national attention that maybe you didn't even want. Like, the SEC network is a thing. There's a Big Ten network, but let's not pretend like the Big Ten network's anywhere close to the SEC network, which is owned and run by ESPN. Let's not act like they're anywhere similar. And especially with Auburn versus Indiana. And if you're a guy that grew up in all, you were at the Oregon-Auburn National Championship game, and you are not living up to that hype that you had coming in, people are going to chastise you for it. So he ran up to Oregon. And if you told me after that first game that he had at Oregon, where they got absolutely steamrolled, what was it? They... What was that score last year, week one? They played Georgia, right? Yeah, 49-3. to 49-3. Here was Bo Nick's stat line in this game. Lost 49-3, to 21-37. Nice 56% completion percentage. 173 yards, two interceptions, no touchdowns. With 37 yards on the ground with no touchdowns there as well. If you were to tell me that Bo Nix, after that game, would go on to have 29 passing touchdowns and 14 rushing touchdowns, and not only that, receiving touchdowns as well... And also complete 72% of his passes last year. Now, a lot of those passes are very quick. There are a lot of fakes to the outside and then throws down the middle to mainly Troy Franklin. And you also got Travion Holden this, Trayshawn Holden this year. But if you would have told me that Bo Nix would turn into what we saw last year, I would have called you freaking crazy. He threw seven interceptions. He threw five interceptions the rest of the season after that game. Five the rest of the season. And 173 yards, that was his second lowest of the season. The other one coming where he only threw 161 against Stanford. The two interceptions with no touchdowns is the only time he had more interceptions than touchdowns last season. 
Like, he had a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic season last year. Insane season. And I only expect him to improve on that going into this year. He's got a very good arm. He's athletic as hell. And he's only going to build momentum. But the age thing, again, is going to be a little thing that might hurt him to, to a certain extent. So we had him at number seven, but with room to go higher. Number six, Joe Milton. I know I bring up the age thing with Penix, with Knicks, with Jordan Travis. But Milton is an athletic marvel. Like, this dude could probably throw the ball 100 yards. You know that Michael Vick commercial that I think it's Nike or Gatorade where he throws the ball to the stadium? That Bo- Joe Milton could probably do that. He could probably do that. And he's going to get compared to Anthony Richardson given his size and everything and the athletic tools he has. But, dude, he's he's got potential coming out the freaking ass. And this him and Josh Huppel's offense, and I know they lost Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman, but still, they brought back a lot of their main receivers last year, and Cedric Tillman battled a lot of injuries last year. And this is sixth, Joe Milton's sixth year of college football. He's never played more than six games in a season. And last year, when Joe, when Hendon Hooker got hurt against South Carolina, Joe Milton came in, and in the bowl game against Clemson, ended up being named the Orange Bowl MVP. Dude's got all the athletic traits you could look for. Maybe it's a little high. I don't think at this point in time he's better than Bo Nix, Michael Penix, Jordan Travis, Jane Dales, or Spencer Rattler as a college quarterback. But on pure potential, which is what the draft is a lot based off of, Hey, he could definitely be a top five quarterback in this draft. Definitely. He's going to be 24 in March, which may, again, scare some people. But still, athletic as hell, cannon for an arm, big as hell. Like, he's got all the things you're looking for a quarterback. And then number five, we have Quinn Ewers. If you want to talk about, like, ceiling, he may have one of the highest ceilings here. He was actually, ironically, was a higher-rated high school recruit than Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams was the number two quarterback in their draft class. I remember Quinn Ewers went up to Ohio State first before transferring back down to Texas. And Caleb Williams obviously did not stay at his his first school as well either, going from Oklahoma to USC. And it looks like both moves were very smart for them. Now, it would be fun to see Quinn Ewers throw the likes of Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Ibuka, and Cade Stover with, like, a Travion Henderson in the backfield, the Mayan Williams. Like, you got all those options. Julian Fleming... Like he's got options at at, Oklahoma, at Ohio State, but still at Texas, he's got Xavier Worthy, who should be one of the best receivers in college football this year. You got a Donnie Mitchell from Georgia. You have C.J. Baxter, not not Bijan, not Roshan. C.J. Baxter is a freshman coming in to replace those guys at running back. All the attention on on Texas will be on him. The thing with him is you need to see the consistency. If he puts it all together, he could have a very very special year. And I'm intrigued to see how he handles the hype around Arch Manning who's his backup, famously his backup. Like, it doesn't matter how good he does, there will always be people clamoring for Arch Manning because of the name on the back of his jersey. There will always, like, you remember in Cleveland, like, this is topical because the Johnny Manziel documentary dropped a few weeks ago, but you remember in Cleveland when Johnny Manziel got drafted? All the people cheering for Brian Hoyer, something bad to happen to Brian Hoyer. You remember in Denver when Tim Tebow was there? All the people that wanted Kyle Orton to get benched for Tim Tebow? It didn't matter how good Kyle Orton or how good Brian Hoyer did. The second they did anything that was like the most minute thing that could have been bad, rope pulled, goes in the really popular guy, Johnny Menzel, Tim Tebow. It happens all the time. And there were people doing the same thing for Quinn Ewers at Ohio State. Because remember, C.J. Stroud didn't necessarily play the best against Minnesota and Oregon in those first two games of the season that year. We defended him a lot on this show, and I'm glad we defended him because he turned out to be a pretty solid quarterback. He started three games for the Texans in the preseason, or is about to start the third game for the Texans in the preseason. 
and probably going to be named week one starter. It'd be crazy to see C.J. Stroud start all three games in the preseason and then not be named week one starter, but hey, you never know. You never know. We'll get to some other quarterbacks in the NFL in a little bit, but Quinn Ewers still got that little wonky throw in motion, but other than that, mechanically, like from the shoulders down, <laughs> he's got he's got everything you want. He's got a nice arm. He's very, he's got a, what do you call it, good instincts on the out routes. He plays the ball perfectly every single time. We just need the consistency from him. We just need the consistency because we had games like against Alabama, games like we did against Washington, against Oklahoma. We had games like that, but then we had games like Oklahoma State and TCU. We need to X those games out, and we need to see the best of Quinn Ewers. He's too up and down for me, and he's not mobile enough to be that up and down. Because he, he can move around the pocket, but if you ask him to get past the line of scrimmage, he's not really going to do that. Now, number four, J.J. McCarthy, very athletic quarterback. Very athletic quarterback. Good arm, needs to work on the things mechanically in the pass game, but throws a decent deep ball. Throws a decent deep ball, but there's still room to grow as a passer, and he's still learning the position, kind of. But the dude is so talented, and you can see why, just watching Michigan for .5 seconds, why they went decided to go with J.J. McCarthy versus Cade McNamara. And I love Cade McNamara. I love Cade McNamara. He transferred to Iowa. Iowa's got a legit starting quarterback now. But there are reasons J.J. McCarthy's now the starter. Because J.J. McCarthy has a bigger arm, is faster, more athletic, is bigger than Cade McNamara. So you can expand your offense more. Cade McNamara was a safe option, which is what Iowa thrives on in the offensive side of the ball. J.J. McCarthy's allowed you to expand it, especially when you have running backs like Blake Corm and Donovan Edwards. Like, the RPO with that offense is beautiful. You have two capable 1,000-yard rushers. Like, Donovan Edwards is like nine yards away from 1,000 yards rushing last year. And now you got a quarterback in J.J. McCarthy's only going to get better. If he can reach that ceiling, he could be special. He may have the, out of the, minus the top two guys, he may have the highest ceiling out of any quarterback in this draft class, minus the top two guys, of course. Him and Quinn Ewers have immense potential. Same with Joe Milton, but Joe Milton's older. The other two are just 20, so they're, they're a little older. Number three, we have Riley Leonard from Duke. We've talked about Riley Leonard a little bit on this show. I like Riley Leonard. He's got the size. He's got the athleticism. He's got the arm strength. He throws a beautiful deep ball, very beautiful, catchable deep ball that leads the receivers 99% of the time. He needs to work on some of his accuracy on the intermediate throws, but those deep throws are beautiful. And he's not a very, like, one-cut-go runner. He's kind of like – like I saw the, I brought this up in the video. It's kind of like Josh Allen running the ball, where he's kind of just bumbling around – He's not looking to run over anybody, but still, he doesn't look like that athletic. And then once he gets past the last defender, he is gone. Led Duke in rushing last year. Like, in the potential for JJ, or J.J. McCarthy is probably higher than Riley Leonard. But what we've seen from Riley Leonard in the past game, I think, is better than what we've seen to this point in the past game from J.J. McCarthy. But I think J.J. McCarthy could pass him, because I think he may have a higher ceiling. But with Riley Leonard working with no players on his team... At this point in time, they're going to be seen as big-time NFL players. We can name two of the top of our heads with J.J. McCarthy with a great offensive line as well. I'm not saying that's what we need to solely scout on, but people are going to look at that for Riley Leonard. And he played good last year. And that battle between Duke and North Carolina this year is going to be insane. It's on my birthday. It's on my birthday this year, so I'm really excited to see that game. But number one, B, because we remember we had 1A, 1B. It's Drake May at number two, technically, and Caleb Williams at one. I've said this a hundred times. I would not be shocked by the time the draft rolls around that Drake May is the number one quarterback in this draft. I would not be surprised by that at all. In regards to physical tools, he may be probably the best. Him and, like, if we're just talking about tools, him and Joe Milton are probably the two best quarterbacks in college football. 
because they got the size, they got the running ability, they got the arm strength. Like, Drake May does not need a set base to deliver a dart down the field. Like, there was a game against Miami last year where he got his legs taken. That wasn't a dart, but still, the manage to get the ball off to Josh Downs to score a touchdown was insane. And he can laser it in there. And there was a game against Virginia where he just rolled around the entire field, ran in for a touchdown from 15 yards out, covered probably 70 yards on the play. Like, the dude's got immense potential, but Caleb Williams, just from naturality of this, like, he's one of the most natural quarterbacks you've seen. He reacts solely on instincts and athleticism. And that's what gives defenders and defensive coordinators and head coaches alike complete and utter headaches. Like, he will not go down easy. Like, he's not very big. He's like 6'1", 215. And still, he had three less broken tackles or three less forced missed tackles than Anthony Richardson. You know, the the monster dude that just got named Colts Week 1 starter? Fourth overall pick in the draft? 6'5", 244? And Caleb Williams had three less broken tackles on him at 6'1", 215? Yeah, he does not go down easy. He doesn't have the same rushing numbers as a Drake May or a Riley Leonard of that sort, but he's athletic as hell. Moves around effortlessly, throws the ball. Like Drake May, we talked about not needing to set base, but him throwing on the run is very impressive. He can throw off his back foot with ease. He's got a better back foot throw than a lot of quarterbacks in college football. He's so natural. He's just so natural when throwing the football, and I wouldn't be shocked if he won the Heisman again. I would not be shocked by that. And I also wouldn't be shocked again if Drake May passed him up. Because they're comparing Drake May to that of, of Justin Herbert. I've heard Caleb Williams gets compared to Patrick Mahomes. Like, there's many comparisons you can make with these guys, but those are the two I've seen the most of so far this season. But both are immensely talented. And I felt it, I felt it was injustice for both these guys to not both be at number one. I didn't want to lower anybody to two, even though technically speaking, one B would be two. But I wanted to give them the little moniker of one. Like I like Drake May. I like Caleb Williams a lot. Caleb Williams is special. That's the best way you can put it. He's just special at the quarterback position. And him and Lincoln Riley, Cliff Kingsbury coming in, should be really fun. I wouldn't be shocked if USC ran the table in the, in the Pac-12 this year, finished 12-0. Going to the playoff, that's a little bit different story in regards to what they do there, but they should be really good. Like Drake May, North Carolina, Riley Leonard, and Duke, there's not a lot of expectations placed on them. J.J. McCarthy, Te- Quinn Ewers at Texas, Joe Milton at Tennessee, Bo Nix, Oregon, Michael Penix, Washington, Joe, Tra- Jordan Travis, Florida State. Jane Daniels, or LSU, all got expectations for their team. Like, USC, Michigan, Texas, are, and Florida State are the three, the four teams I picked to win their conferences here are the Power Five conferences. Those four teams out of the Power Five were who I picked. The only one that's not on, wait, no, so we had Florida State and the ACC. We had Big 12. So, yeah, we didn't, Georgia's not on here. Carson Beck just got named the starter, though, which is not really surprising. We kind of figured that a few weeks ago. But Carson Beck was named the starter. We'll see how he does there. But four of the, fi- four of the five conferences, their quarterbacks are mentioned here. And then you've got others like Tennessee, Oregon, Washington, LSU that should be competing with said teams that are going to be winning their conferences that we predicted to win their conferences this year. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if every team on here that we mentioned, Williams with USC, Michigan, Texas, Tennessee, Oregon, Washington, Florida State, and LSU – Finished no less with two than two losses. I wouldn't be shocked by that. Maybe three, maybe three. But these guys are all expected to have good teams. Drake or Drake Drake May and Riley Leonard do not have those that luxury of man. They're gonna be so good this year. Like their team success relies on them. The other guys, their teams could do well 
I'm not saying they would be operating at the same level, but they would still be finding ways to win. I don't know if Drake or North Carolina and Duke could do that. I don't know if they could. I don't know if South Carolina could do that. So I know. I think that's just something to think about going into the season. But I think Drake May and Caleb Williams are definitely one and two. Riley Leonard at three could definitely get passed by J.J. McCarthy and Quinn Ewers at some point. And Joe Milton would just be interesting to see how he does because he's super talented. Super, super talented. Now, with that being said, we got, again, Caleb Williams and USC. They're playing this weekend. They're playing this weekend. We got our first week of college football as we brought it before. We are in week zero. Week zero of college football, and we have got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games for you. And then we got some games taking place next Thursday, which, again, got some good games next Thursday. Like, you've got Florida, Utah, which should be interesting, and Nebraska, Minnesota, which should be interesting. And that's, I guess that's it. I thought there were going to be more as I kept scrolling, but there's not. NC State, UConn? Maybe. I mean, UConn was bowl eligible last year. So maybe we look at a, a decently competitive game. It's in UConn, or at UConn. NC State obviously brought in Brennan Armstrong for Virginia, but hey, it could be a decent game. Could be a little bit of a, a nice little sneaky sneak game. And we obviously got games on Saturday the 2nd, but no real good games on Friday the 1st, though. You got Stanford-Hawaii at 10 o'clock. That's going to be a garbage game. Good Lord. Louisville, Georgia Tech. Miami versus Mi- – wow, Miami, Miami. Miami, Ohio versus Miami, Florida on Friday the 1st. We got Central Michigan versus Michigan State as well. But the games this weekend, for those of you who don't remember, we're going to go through these and try to predict who's going to win these games or maybe if they cover or not. Does every game have a line here? Every game has a line here. Sick. So we got Navy and Notre Dame. Notre Dame is a 20-and-a-half point favorite in this game. I'm saying Navy is going to cover that game. I'm going to say Navy covers that. Because, again, starting off your season, I understand you had a whole offseason to kind of prepare for this, but preparing for the triple option week one, as someone who ran the triple option in college to a different level than Navy's, obviously, it's not easy to prepare for. You can't, you're not going to have any. If you're a spread team or a team like Notre Dame or run a pro-style pro pro offense or whatever, you're going to have a hard time defending the triple option, especially week one, because none of your players – regardless of position, maybe not even at the quarterback spot, are going to be able to run the same speed as Navy does. The speed of the triple option when you run it versus when you don't and you're trying to scout it is two completely different things. Like, Navy could run the spread. In a weird way, they could run the spread. Notre Dame could not run the triple option. They couldn't. Now, Ken Niamatololo is now gone. I don't remember who their head coach is this year. Navy football. Because Ken Niamatololo stepped down. Brian Newberry. Where'd Brian Newberry come from? Oh, he's Navy, Navy's DC. Okay, so they're, they're going to keep the same offense. Which I don't know how you could play any other different, any other style of offense with Navy. But I do think Navy will cover. Navy played close to Notre Dame last year, too. Like, you remember last year's game, Navy-Notre Dame? Like, it was like a three or seven point game. If I'm remembering right. Where's the score at? Okay, yeah, 35-32 to 32 is the final. This is going to be a tough game for them to prepare for. I like Sam Hartman. I think Sam Hartman's definitely an upgrade at quarterback other Butchner and all the other quarterbacks that they had. Again, how Butchner got to Alabama, I don't know, but yeah, we're going to go Navy covering that one there. UTEP versus Jacksonville State. To be 100% honest with you, do you want me to do you want me to sit here and try to bullshit you here? I have no idea what's going to happen here. I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen here. I'm going to go with Jacksonville State. I'm going to go with the Gamecocks. I'm going to go with the Gamecocks here. Because what did, what did Jacksonville State go last? I had, and to be honest as well, I did not know their name was the Gamecocks. I did not know that. that this is new information to me. I understand they're an FCS school, but hey, we're going to go Jacksonville State. 
And what what is a uh, UTEP's one and a half point? Yeah, we'll take Jacksonville State. We'll take Jacksonville State. Uh, UMass versus New Mexico State. This game is gonna be freaking gross. I and you know what? I'm gonna watch it. I am gonna sit down and watch this game for whatever reason because I like torturing myself. I like torturing myself, but I'm gonna go with New Mexico State. New Mexico State is the favorite in this game. This is the first favorite we're going with. The first favorite. The New Mexico State is a where did it go? Is a seven point favorite. So a touchdown favorite in this game. We're gonna go with New Mexico State. Being able to cover in this game, hopefully. So we got Navy, we got Jacksonville State, we got New Mexico State, Ohio versus San Diego State. We're going to go Ohio. I like Ohio a lot. They were my prediction to be win the MAC this year. I really like Curtis Work at quarterback. I understand San Diego State's usually pretty consistent at, at the defensive side of the ball. If this was during the day, maybe I think about this a little bit different. Ah, well, it kind of is because it's six o'clock here, so it'll be four o'clock over there. That's when this game kicks off. I can make it a little swelter, and that stadium is not built for for hot weather, and that's what you're going to get. I mean, it's 82 degrees. They're expected on Saturday, but I'm going to go with Ohio. Hawaii, Vanderbilt, I'm going to go uh, 17 and a half. Yeah, we'll go Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt should beat Hawaii. They killed Hawaii last year, and this time it's at Vanderbilt. Yeah, we're going to go Vanderbilt here. San Jose State, USC, th- this shouldn't really be an issue. This really shouldn't. I mean, it's Caleb Williams. This is a game where I'm expecting Caleb Williams to kind of play a half. That's kind of what I'm expecting this in this game. Like, San Jose State really has no chance of winning this game, but a chance of covering, maybe we're talking about it a little different, because they did go 7-5 and five last year. They did go 7-5, and five, so they are a capable enough team, but I don't think they're going to be able to cover. I don't think they're going to be able to cover in this game. So we're going to take USC, that 30-and-a-half, was that what it was? Yeah, we're going to take USC in that one. And then the final game on here is Florida International versus Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech is an 11.5 point favorite in this game over the Panthers of Florida International. Where do we want to go with this one? What did Florida International finish last year? What did they finish last year? They finished 4-8. and eight. Not necessarily the most ideal thing. Do I think Louisiana Tech will be able to beat them by 11? Do I think they'll be able to beat them by 11 at home? Neither one of them ended the season strong at all. Both of them won one, one of their last five. We're going to go FIU covering. Right? We're going FIU. Co- uh, no, we're going Louisiana Tech covering. We're going Louisiana Tech. So the final, final games that we're going to do here, for those of you who are not paying attention, we're going to recap those real quick. Navy Notre Dame, we're going to have Navy covering the 20.5-point line. Utah versus Jacksonville State, we're going to have Jacksonville State. We're not, uh, they're covering the one and a half. We got them covering the one and a half. UMass versus New Mexico State. We picked New Mexico State in that game. Ohio versus San Diego State. We picked Ohio. They're three-point dogs in that. Hawaii, Vanderbilt, 17 and a half. We picked Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt killed them last year. Vanderbilt killed them last year. There is a big dwarf in college. Because I remember last year people were like, oh, Vanderbilt actually pretty decent. Are they actually going to be pretty decent? They won 63 to 10 last year at Hawaii. No, they're not. They're not decent. They finished five and seven. They finished five and seven. They'll probably finish something similar to that this year. They should beat Hawaii, though, easily. USC San Jose State, USC should beat them by more than 30. 30 and a half. They should be able to beat them more. I would expect to beat them by 50. Kind of. Like this is a game Caleb Williams will probably play a half. Maybe three quarters. Shouldn't be a rough one for him. And then Florida National Louisiana Tech, we picked Louisiana Tech. Covering 11 and a half. So we picked some big spreads in there, but I kind of feel that's how how we're gonna spin here. So, yeah, that's our predictions for this Saturday's games, but there's some fun ones. Like Navy-Notre Dame is going to be a fun game. Ohio versus San Diego State on FS1. 
that will be a fun game. Uh, San Jose State, State, USC should be a decently fun game. I mean, you get to watch Caleb Williams just dip his nuts in San Jose State's mouth the entire time. UMass versus Mexico State, the fact that's on ESPN is despicable, and USC, San Jose State's on the Pac-12 network, whatever channel that's on. But man, college football's back, ladies and gentlemen. Isn't that fun? Isn't that fun? And Caleb Williams, we're expecting big things from him. I wouldn't be shocked at all if he was the defending Heisman Trophy winner again. I would not be shocked. Going into April, I would not be shocked if he's Heisman Trophy winner again. And then, like, when you go into the draft, and we kind of touched on this when we were talking about the draft, really, like, you go off of potential for a lot of things. Like, like Joe Milton has only played six games, never played more than six games in a season throughout his time in college. This, and speaking of six, he just loves the number six. This is his sixth year of college football as well. So, we're going off potential here, what he could be in this offense, and that's kind of what you try to do in the NFL draft. You know, things can change. Things can change every once in a while, but for the most part, you see a guy that you think you can build, and what's changed that really was Josh Allen. That's the one where everybody kind of was like, hey, they drafted this guy that was not very great in college, and now he's a top three quarterback in the NFL. To me, top two, but I know other people argue top three. If you look at the TLBS staff quarterback rankings, uh, he came in at number three behind Joe Burrow, but I think he's the best, second best quarterback in the NFL behind Mahomes. So Josh Allen kind of changed that strategy. And you've seen a lot of quarterbacks recently get drafted really high because of that. Anthony Richardson's the most recent example of that. Very raw quarterback, but you see the physical tools he has, and you're like, man, we could build something here, especially with Shane Steichen. And like Josh Allen is rookie year, now they named Rich, Anthony Richardson the starter right away. Josh Allen wasn't supposed to play his entire rookie year. But that's kind of what happens when you play Nathan Peterman <laughs> and A.J. McCarron as your two quarterbacks going into the season with Josh Allen. But one that's going to get talked about a lot, and one that started to make the news today, or yesterday as well, is Trey Lance. And this is someone we've talked about quite a bit on the show recently because there's a lot of speculation about what his future is. No one knows what the future holds for Trey Lance. And no one knows even more. People know less now than what we did before. Well, I guess we shouldn't say that because we know he's not going to be on the team anymore. Sam Darnold got named QB2. Sam Darnold got named QB2 in San Francisco. So now we are looking at a team, and we said this a couple weeks ago, or like a week ago. Inside Sam Darnold to cut him right away. They got Sam Darnold because they had the idea of him being the backup. That's what we said a couple weeks ago. So Trey Lance is gone. Trey Lance will not be in San Francisco in a couple weeks. I would imagine anyways. Minnesota and Atlanta are the two most obvious examples because he's from Minnesota, so that makes sense. They got Kirk Cousins one year left on his deal. Is Trey Lance an upgrade on Nick Mullins or Jaron Hall? Yes, even though he hasn't really played. And you look down in Atlanta, you get another young quarterback in there. You're not sure 100% on Desmond Ritter. You liked Trey Lance coming out of college. Both GM and head coach liked him. The 49ers jumped and took Trey Lance at three, so you took Kyle Pitts. But I, this whole Trey Lance situation is just mind-boggling to me. It's just mind-boggling to me because this dude is insanely talented. Like, you see what he did at North Dakota State. Winning a national championship, winning Walter Player Player of the Year, Walter Payton Player of the Year in, high, in FCS level. Balled out. Balled out. Was by far the best player in the country. Like, 2,900 passing yards through, like, 1,200, 1,300 rushing yards. And then COVID hit, and he wasn't going to... The Missouri Valley Football Conference, the FCS level, canceled their season pretty much. So, North Dakota State, because Trey Lance was going to go to the draft... North Dakota State was like, well, we're going to play a one-off game against Central Arkansas, and that's going to be it. So Trey Lance did not play in the spring season. And then that next fall, 
So we're going with one game. That next fall, I played two. Looked decent, I guess, in those two games. Looked better in one than the other. And then the year after that, he's named the starter. Even with Jimmy Garoppolo still on the roster, he's named the starter. And he plays in a monsoon in the first game and then snaps his leg in the second game. And then you go into this offseason, and I guess it took three play, three, three games for Kyle Shannon to go, Trey Lance, or Brock Purdy's the best quarterback on our roster. He need to melt at practice in order to lose the starting job. Like, Trey Lance had nothing to ever get his job back. He never had an opportunity to get his job back. And I understand that to a certain extent because of the fact that, you know, Brock Purdy was part of a team that got to the NFC Championship game. He got hurt. If he doesn't get hurt against the Eagles, maybe we're talking about a completely different season for both teams, the Eagles and the 49ers. Maybe we're talking about a completely different Super Bowl champion. Like, we never know. Maybe the Chiefs still go on and win. But again, you never know what happens. Maybe it changes a little bit more. But how they've handled this situation is, like, ridiculous. I don't, They had, like, it doesn't seem like they had a plan. Like, they traded up to three to draft Trey Lance. This is John Lynch's plan. It was to draft Trey Lance. Kyle Shanahan wanted Mac Jones. But they were like, hey, we need a quarterback that can push us over. And if you're getting Mac Jones, you're taking a guy that's similar enough to Jimmy Garoppolo, which is what Brock Purdy kind of is. But that's what Kyle Shanahan wants in his quarterback, is someone like that. He doesn't need someone to expand his playbook. And they were like, hey, Trey Lance could definitely do this if we coach him upright. You're an offensive quarterback guru, Kyle Shanahan. Like, Trey Lance loses his job. He's the guaranteed starter, loses his job, and then all of a sudden, now he's third string. In a blink of an eye, he's now third string, and now we're talking about him going somewhere else. So this trade, going from 12 to 3, is going to look horrific for the 49ers, and Trey Lance will maybe go down as one of the biggest busts of all time, but he never got a shot to take his job. He never got a shot. He had four games to get his shot. Snapped his ankle in his fourth one. And then lost it without ever getting a chance to win it back. And then goes out there, week one of the preseason, with the whole 100% backup team. Offensive line looked abysmal against the Raiders' D-line. He got eaten alive in that game. They never gave him a shot to even come close to winning said job. We never, We don't know what Trey Lance is going to be. Like, I remember at that draft, that 2021 NFL draft, we said that dude can be the most talented quarterback in this draft class. He's got the lowest floor, but his ceiling's insane if he realizes it. And Lord knows if he ever does at this point. Like, when when has there ever been a quarterback that has not gotten a chance, or has gotten less chances than Trey Lance to get a job, who was a top three pick? He's gotten four starts in his NFL career. Four starts. And people are going to sit there and say, like, we know who Trey Lance is as a quarterback. We don't. No one knows what Trey Lance is as a quarterback. Not even Trey Lance knows. Like, even Achilles Smith, a guy who was also drafted third overall. Or no, he was he was second overall, right? Or was he third overall? Or was McNabb third? He was third. Okay, another third overall pick. And Achilles Smith, drafted by the Bengals. One of the biggest busts in NFL history from Oregon. Famous clip of Warren Sapp. You hear Achilles Smith got a nine on the Winter League test. And nine. They go watch that on those mic'd up things. Achilles Smith started 17 games in his NFL career. Started 11 in his second year. He started four games his rookie year. And he was out of the league in 2002. Got drafted in 99 out of the league in 02. Played in Canada after that. 
Like, Akili Smith, for how bad he was, still got more opportunities than Trey Lance did to get this starting job. They had no plan in place. And people are saying, well, you should have drafted Justin Fields. How do you know this wouldn't be the same thing with Justin Fields? Like, they have no, they lucked into getting Brock Purdy. They lucked into getting Brock Purdy because not even Iowa State fans thought Brock Purdy would be this reliable in the NFL. Not even the most diehard Cyclone fan thought this was possible. So they could be getting more shit if Brock Purdy didn't work out. Because if Brock Purdy didn't work out, then what? You're going into the season with Sam Darnold as your starter? Like, what's the goal here if Brock Purdy doesn't work out? Because moving Trey Lance to three tells me you were never giving his job back anyways. Even though I thought there would be a chance for him to get it back, I guess there was a 0% chance of him getting it back. Like, if you look at Trey Lance, we brought this up before, his passing attempts through all walks of football life. These QBs were all in the same recruiting class, 2018. This is their total number of pass attempts since college career, NFL pre-regular and postseason combined. So Trevor Lawrence has 2,502. Brock Purdy, in second, actually, who's been in the league for one year, 1,757. Clayton Toon, 1,553, who just got drafted this year. Zach Wilson, 1,529. DTR, a guy who just got drafted this year, who actually just won the backup job, essentially. They just released Kellen Mond today. Good job on DTR. 1,414 yards. Justin Fields, 1,292 yards, attempts, not yards. Michael Penix, who is still in college, 1,135. Matt Corral, 989, who was a third-round draft pick, so a little bit different there. Tanner McKee, who was a rookie, 793. Will Levis, who was also a rookie, 753. All these guys were in the 2018 class. Trey Lance has 492 pass attempts. Since college, NFL, pre-regular, and postseason career. Lance is more than 250 short of anybody else. Lawrence has five times more pass attempts than Trey Lance. So people are going to sit here and write Trey Lance off as a bust. I don't know if I can actually do that. I mean, I can. I can't easily do that. Like, he hasn't done anything. We don't know what how good he actually is going to be in the NFL. You traded all the way up to three to have no goal of ever actually using him once you got a guy that fit Kyle Shannon says, this is why you draft guys for the coach, not the organization, because this is the same thing that happened to RG3 in Washington. Mike Shanahan, Kyle's dad, did not want RG3. This was a Dan Snyder decision. So the moment RG3 gets hurt, oh, Kirk Cousins is the starter. Never really got a chance to get it back. He got He played, but they were not setting up for success. Like, similar situation out of Trey Lance. Once you draft the guy, the coach has full reign at that point. Unless a GM or owner steps in. Like, it's weird. It's so weird. So I hope Trey Lance goes somewhere where he can actually, like, play. And you're five times less pass attempts than Trevor Lawrence. A guy who's taken two picks before you. Five times. Less pass attempts. That's insane. Wrap your head around that. Five times. The guy who was drafted last, who is now the 49ers starter, had 1,700 pass attempts. 
to Trey Lance's sub-500 pass attempts. And we're wondering why Trey Lance doesn't look like the finished article yet. Because he's not played. At any level, he has not played. This is why I'm a big advocate now for having these young, raw quarterbacks playing right away. That's why I'm happy Anthony Richardson's playing right away. You have that guy, and we said this at the draft, we have that guy in Gardner Minshew who is there, who can come in if needed. You don't need to rush Richardson into it, but if he's ready, do not baby him. Let him play. Let him get, throw him into the fire. Throw him into the ocean. Sink or swim time for you, Anthony. Sink or swim time for you, Trey. So I don't care where he goes, but I think the top two options are Atlanta and Minnesota. Lord knows if he gets an opportunity at those places. But man, I saw that the other day, because we talked about that on Friday, on Wednesday. It was like, we don't know, they said they don't know what their situation is at backup. They're like going to rotate the backup quarterback position. Like, I had no idea really what they were going to do. And then Wednesday, the day we post the show, at 2.01 is when I see the update from NFL Network and the NFL that Sam Darnold's named QB1 behind Brock Purdy. So the Trey Lance era in San Francisco will be most known for trading three firsts for the Miami Dolphins with picks that ended up being Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, and Bradley Chubb. Three of the most important players on the Miami Dolphins. Like, it sucks to think about it like that. Someone who really liked Trey Lance coming out of North Dakota State, it really sucks. Like, even the Jets are giving Zach Wilson a better chance. Like, they drafted, they trade for Aaron Rodgers, and they're still giving him a chance. He's got more chances in the preseason than, than Trey Lance has. Like, I don't get this strategy that they put forth. Like, people go, you're setting your franchise back so many years by not drafting Justin Fields. But if they went with this strategy with Lance, what's to say they aren't going to do the same strategy with Justin Fields? The only quarterback I think they would have played right away as a rookie is Mac Jones. That's the only guy I think they would have played right away. And that's what's going to be even dumber about it. Like, you could have gotten uh, Mac Jones at 12. You could have traded up less spots to get Justin Fields. You could have traded up one spot. To get Justin Fields. Because remember the Giants held that pick before the Bears traded up with them. And what's going to make this even worse. What makes this even even worse. Just listen to the players that were drafted after Trey Lance. Just listen to this. Kyle Pitts. Jamar Chase. Jalen Waddell. Panay Sewell. J.C. Horn. Patrick Sertan. Devontae Smith. Justin Fields. Micah Parsons. Rashawn Slater. And Mac Jones at 15, Elijah Vera Tucker at 14. There's so many good players that were drafted just like initially after. Like 1 through 13 are beasts. Pitts, Chase, Waddle, Sewell, Horn, Sertan, Smith, Fields, Parsons, Slater. Ballers. And Lance played four games in the NFL. Started four games in the NFL. Less than 500 pass attempts. I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. And I understand why they trade up to three, because remember, it, we just said this. Atlanta wanted Trey Lance. They were well, It was well-documented they liked Trey Lance. They liked him. You heard the GM and head coach talk about Trey Lance. They were both at his pro day. They are both at both events Trey Lance held. So that's why I think the Falcons would be a main opportunity. So they traded up to jump the Falcons, essentially. That's who was going to draft Trey Lance, I believe. If the 49ers did it, the Falcons were going to draft Trey Lance. 
And maybe Kyle Pitts goes somewhere else. I Well, obviously, he goes somewhere else if Trey Lance goes to Atlanta. But still, that is an insane, insane, insane draft after Lance. It's kind of like the Tony Mandridge thing. Where you look at Barry Sanders, Derek Thomas, Deion Sanders, all going after Tony Mandridge. Like the NBA draft, the 3 NBA draft. LeBron, D. Wade, Bosh, Carmelo, and Darko Milicic. The Pistons won a championship in 4 So it worked out in the end. But imagine what they could have done if they had a Melo or Bosh or Wade. Like the 49ers could very well still come out of this with a Super Bowl. With Purdy leading the way. And everybody will kind of forget about that this happened. Like people forget Jim Drunkenmiller was drafted with the 49ers in the first round. No one knows who the hell that is. He was the first quarterback taken in that draft too, 1997. 26th pick. Was on the 49ers for two years. <laughs> so the 49ers have had a history of doing this. They've had a history of doing this. He had one start in his NFL career. One start. And he played way worse than Trey Lance. Like Trey Lance actually played decent in you know one of those starts. Then got hurt in the third play of his fourth game. <laughs> That's stupid. It's stupid. Imagine being told you're the guaranteed starter. And then all of a sudden you snap your ankle. And then all of a sudden, yeah, you're your third string now. You haven't even really had a real chance to get it back. I don't know. It's fun stuff to think about. It's just really fun stuff to think about this year. But the NFL, like they always say, the NFL is a business. The NFL is a business. And it's being really cruel <laughs> to, to Trey Lance at this point in time. But, hey, he's finding it out. He's finding out the business side of it. But, yeah. like We also got the running back situation going on in the NFL. Like Jonathan Taylor's requested a trade. They've given permission to seek a trade. They're demanding a first-round pick back for him. And I guess the teams that like the Bears and the Eagles have sent in calls for for Jonathan Taylor. Like if the Bears get Jonathan Taylor, that is awesome backfield. Justin Fields, J- Jonathan Taylor, not to mention DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney on the outside, with two decent tight ends and Cole Komet and Robert Tanyan. And you got Roshan Johnson, Khalil Herbert, Dante Foreman. You've got um who else was the other backup that we got there? Travis Homer. Like you got good options there in Chicago. You got Jonathan Taylor. You got money. You got space. Like, might as well try it. And the Eagles, like, hey, I'm just tired of the NFL get helping the Eagles out here. I'm tired of the NFL doing this to the Eagles. I'm, I'm sick and tired of it. I'm sick and tired of it. Like, I understand why uh, Jalen Carter fell in the draft. But still, to the Eagles, to the Eagles, that's who he had to fall to. I have no general issue with the Eagles. I, I don't really care if he, <laughs> they don't bother me at all. But I have been to an Eagles-Bills game, but that that the Eagles blew him out. There was nothing really to write home about that game. But Jonathan Taylor going there, so you would imagine either DeAndre Swift or Shad Penny would go the opposite direction, plus picks. So, I don't know. I've seen, like, fake trades sending Saquon Barkley to the Colts. Teams that are reportedly linked, I don't know if this is true. Uh, but the Dolphins, Commanders, Broncos, Vikings, with the Vikings trading for Jonathan Taylor would be absolutely hilarious. Chiefs and Bills. The Chiefs, hey, you could have drafted Jonathan Taylor. So you drafted Clyde Rizalaire instead. And the Bills, we'll see. I would definitely not be opposed to that. 
obviously Jonathan Taylor is an upgrade on whoever the Bills have right now. Like you look at Damian Harris, you look at Latavius, you look at James Cook. Like he's an upgrade on all of them. I mean, that's obvious. I, there's no like being mean about that. That's just the fact. But do they have the space for it? I don't know. I don't think so. But if they did make that trade, I'd be all for it. I'd absolutely be all for it. The Vikings make no sense. Like, the teams make sense for Jonathan Taylor. The Vikings, they just cut a running back so they don't want to pay him. Now you're going to trade for a guy that's going to completely reset the running back market. That makes no sense. Why did you cut Dalvin if that was your end goal was just to trade for Jonathan Taylor? Is Jonathan Taylor better than Dalvin? Yeah, but still, that doesn't make any sense. Any sense. The Dolphins, I could see that. I could honestly see that. The Commanders, I don't know. Broncos, I don't really see that happening. And the Chiefs, I mean, the Chiefs could. Chiefs could. Brett Veach would do it. It is just funny that they would. They could have drafted him. I remember Jonathan Taylor a couple years ago when he was an MVP candidate. It was like, man, what if the Chiefs drafted this guy? Thank you for drafting the guy with tread on the tires, I guess you could say. Tread on the tires, man. It's always fun with running backs. Always fun with running backs. I am intrigued to see how these rookie running backs do, like Bijan with Jameer Gibbs. I, Dwayne McBride in Minnesota, he could get some carries this year. What, I don't know how high he is on the depth chart, but he could, get, he could get a decent amount of carries this year. He could. He could. Zach Charbonnet in Seattle, I'm intrigued to see how they balance him and Kenneth Walker. There's a lot of fun stuff. There's a lot of fun stuff with the running back position this offseason. Some good, some bad, but there's a lot of good battles. Like, the Jets got a really good running back tandem. Like, Brees Hall and Dalvin is an insane running back tandem. And they're expecting, I just saw a report today, they're expecting Brees Hall to be back for week one, which sucks ass. Why couldn't Brees Hall be ready week two? Dalvin already beat the Bills last year. The Bills didn't have to play Brees. Brees got hurt against the Broncos, which happened a couple weeks before the Bills played the Jets the first time. So, I don't, or no, did they play him before in Buffalo? Or is that later in the year? I'm, I'm trying to remember. Because they used to play the Jets all the time early in the season, but I think they played them both late last year. I don't think they played Brees. Yeah, the first time they played Jets was on November 6th. November 6th was the first time they played the Jets. He got injured week 7, October 23rd. I couldn't remember because remember earlier in the season, he wasn't really used that much. So I couldn't remember if like they played the Jets, but Brees didn't play, or they played the Jets and Brees just wasn't there. By having Brees and Dalvin week one, Dalvin broke off massive runs against the Bills last year against the Vikings. I don't need to see that again. I'm not really looking forward to that. Having them both back is not fun, but like Aaron Rodgers is obviously going to be the main talking point with the Jets going into this season. He's Aaron, he's Aaron bleeping Rodgers. He's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And I saw this. This is just really upsetting. And I'm not a Jets fan. Obviously, I'm not a Jets fan. I've said this a thousand times in the show. I kind of, like, the least the past few years, not so much this year because everybody's expecting the Jets to be really good. I more loathe the Jets than hate the Jets. Like, out of all the other teams in the division, I hate the Jets the least amount. I don't like the Jets at all. Never liked the Jets. But I like them. If we're ranking on which team I like the most out of the three teams, three other teams in the division, it would probably be the Jets. And then obviously the Patriots in last. But the Dolphins are slowly creeping up there because the Dolphins are just really annoying. But I saw this, and it was, will Aaron Rodgers, this is a question, I want you to answer this as well, will Aaron Rodgers throw more than 31 touchdowns this season? So that's the initial question. That's the initial question. So that would be a franchise record. So 31 touchdowns would be a franchise record for the Jets. If you had to bet on who held the franchise record for the Jets 
for passing touchdowns in a season, who would you wager on? I'll give you like 10 seconds for that. I'll give you 10 seconds to try and figure out who you, without Googling, who the Jets' all-time record holder is for passing touchdowns in a single season. So you got 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. If your answer was Vinny Testaverde, you were wrong. If your answer was Joe Namath, you were wrong. If your answer was Chad Pennington, you were wrong. If your answer was Mark Sanchez, you were wrong. If your answer was Neil O'Donnell, not Neil O'Donnell. Yeah, Neil O'Donnell. If your answer was Neil O'Donnell, you were wrong. If your answer was Boomer Esiason, you were wrong. If your answer was Ken O'Brien, you were wrong. If your answer was Brett Favre, you were wrong. If your answer was Zach Wilson, you were wrong. If your answer was Ryan Fitzpatrick, you were right. Ryan Fitzpatrick is the all-time single-season record holder for passing touchdowns in a season in New York Jets history. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like we talked about a couple like a month or so ago, like the Bears never having a 4,000-yard passer. Ryan Fitzpatrick holding the all-time single-season passing touchdown record is insane to wrap my head around. And I love Ryan Fitzpatrick. He did good things with the Bills, but Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitz, I think Aaron Rodgers will pass for more than 31 touchdowns. I think he'll pass for 31 more. I did see Corey Davis retired, which is, you know, sad that a player retired, but he was kind of just falling further and further down the pecking order. He's a solid receiver. Top five pick at Western Michigan. Solid receiver, but a solid number two. You know, if it's time to call a career, time to call a career. Like Andrew Luck, when was it, like four or five years ago today, he called it a career at preseason. I was at a house party when that happened. We were at our neighbors across the street's house. It's like, oh my God, Andrew Luck just retired. I see all these things about Andrew Luck being a Hall of Famer. No, Andrew Luck is not a Hall of Famer. I like Andrew Luck a lot, but no. Let's let's be serious here. Let's be serious. Guys, come on. Let's let's be serious. Let's be serious here. And the Hall of Fame class next year is not great. So that's why people are going to be looking at it for who's going to make the Hall of Fame this year. Like Antonio Gates will be a first ballot. I don't remember who. There's one other player that was like a, like a guaranteed first ballot. But I don't remember who it was. 2024 Hall of Hall of Fame NFL. Who was all three senior finalists? I don't care about the senior final. Well, it doesn't need to be a finalist. I just want to know who's a first year eligible. Uh, Julius Peppers. That was the other one. Yeah, so first year eligible players are... Jeez, it's a long list. We'll stop at some of these because they're not important. Like Julius Peppers, Antonio Gates, Eric Berry, uh, Haloti Nada, Jamal Charles, Brandon Marshall, Josh Sitton, Kyle Williams, love him, Max Unger, Derek Johnson, uh, Muhammad Wilkerson, Brent Grimes, Phil Dawson, Donnie Jones, Doug Martin, the muscle hamster. I didn't even realize Doug Martin was retired, but he's in a Hall of Fame discussion. Adam Jones, Adam Pac-Man Jones, Reggie Nelson, a guy we brought up a couple weeks ago, Glover Quinn, Sebastian Janikowski, Telvin Smith, Greg Hardy, Connor Barwin, Brian Arakpo, Jordy Nelson, Marquette King, Andrew Luck, Leon Hall, Doug Baldwin, Jermaine Gresham, TJ Lang, Vontae Davis, retired in the middle of the game against the Chargers, Josh Allen's rookie year, Matt Castle, Sam Shields, Chris Ivory, Mike Wallace, Jonathan Stewart, Corey Graham, Jermon Br- Bushrod, sorry, Derek Anderson, and John Denny. Like you got Derek Anderson, you got Chris Ivory, you've got Vontae Davis. Like All those people were there, Josh Allen's rookie year. Isn't that fun? Isn't that really, really fun? All retired. Kyle Williams. All these guys were Josh Allen's rookie year. 
But again, I think like Antonio Gates and Julius Peppers are the only like real lock first ballot Hall of Famers here. Like I don't know who else, who else I would really be even like considering for another first ballot guy. But those are the main ones. Those are the two. Obviously, Antonio Gates and Jabril, Julius Peppers. Not Jabril Peppers, Julius Peppers. Elite players at their position. Like, obviously. Obviously. But yeah, Andrew Luck, at, no. No, he's not. I I like Andrew Luck a lot. I think he worked with... He made the most out of nothing in Indianapolis. That was the main thing. He's off the line, did nothing for him. The front office did absolutely nothing for him. But he still managed to, you know... Play well. He played well. So, yeah, Hall of Famer, though, we're reaching a little bit. We're reaching. We're reaching here if we're calling Andrew Luck a Hall of Famer. I hate the way the Hall of Fame is going to get turned into a Hall of Good. Where people ask, like, is this a Hall of Famer? No, he's not. He, he put up good numbers. I don't I don't care. I don't care. Was there any point, if you're looking back at his career, was there any point you were like, yeah, that guy was an elite player? No. Was Andrew Luck an elite player at one point? I guess you could say a little bit. But I don't, I don't know. It's like when Matt Stafford gets called in. Has Matt, has Matt Stafford been an elite player? Because if he has, Matt Ryan has, because Matt Ryan's won an MVP. Like, Joe Theismann won an MVP. He's not in the Hall of Fame. Phil Simms won two Super Bowls. Really, one was injured the second one, but won two Super Bowls. Not in the Hall of Fame. Randall Cunningham, MVP. Not in the Hall of Fame. Steve McNair, MVP. Not in the Hall of Fame. Is the Super Bowl going to be that overriding thing? Because Joe Theismann won a Super Bowl. Phil Steele, Sim, sorry, won two Super Bowls. So yeah, no, I'm I I'm getting kind of annoyed with this new era of let's just let everybody into the Hall of Fame. It's a Hall of Fame. It's a Hall of Fame. You're the best of the best. If you were never considered one of the best of the best, you're not a Hall of Famer. I I sincerely apologize. I sincerely apologize. But that's how it is. That's the way it works. That is the way it works. Now I think that's all I've really. For the most part, got for you today. Let's go finish off on something here real quick. Um, Cade McNamara for Iowa is questionable week one. and But that being said, Kirk Ferentz did say he's very optimistic that Cade McNamara will play week one against Utah State. In that same breath, we don't know who Iowa State's starting quarterback is still. So we have quarterback questions for each big school here in the state of Iowa. I'm searching Rocco Becht on Twitter. Okay, so we're looking at J.J. Cole, Tanner Hughes, the transfer from Butte College, Aaron Rodgers' old university or old community college. So we don't know who's going to be the starter. We don't know who's going to be the starter, whether it's Becht, whether it's Cole, whether it's Tanner, whoever it is, we don't know. We don't really know who Iowa's is because Joey Labas, I guess, is dealing with some injuries as well. So Lord knows what's going to happen week one, but... Still, cannot get here soon enough. I don't really care who the Iowa starter. I don't care who the Iowa State starter is. We're going to be watching some college football next week, some in-state college football. And obviously, we got it this week as well. But that first week when your team's playing is so awesome. And it's like these games on the second are just awesome games. So Iowa-Utah State's not like the most amazing game. But still, fun game because you get to see your team play. we got Iowa State playing you and I. We've got Colorado TCU. Could be kind of fun. Deion Sanders' first game at the helm of Colorado with Shadur Sanders, Travis Hunter, and all those guys. Should be a fun game. Boise State, Washington. That's a fun game. Then we've got USC, Nevada. Fun game. <laughs> fun game. West Virginia, Penn State will probably be a bad game. But North Carolina, South Carolina. Fun one. 
Very fun game. And then Florida State, LSU on Sunday. Five LSU, eight Florida State. Then Monday, Clemson-Duke, September 4th. That is a beautiful game. At Duke, very fun one. So that's all I've got for you today. That's all I've got for you. We'll keep it a little shorter for you. But I hope you do did enjoy the show. If you did not, sincerely apologize. Try to be better next time. And again, make sure you check out the Logan Blavin Show in every single form of social media. And check out our two latest videos, the Copa America Preview, as well as our preseason quarterback prospect rankings for the 2024 NFL Draft. Those will be updated weekly, not next week, but the week after that. So the next one will be on the 7th. So make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel to hear all you need to know, to get all you need to know on next year's quarterback draft class. And yeah, have a good weekend, everybody. Hope you enjoyed, and we will see you all later. Peace.